Hey, some exciting new changes are happening over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. We've made some revisions to the tiers and added some cool new stuff, so this is an awesome time to consider uh, backing us if you haven't so far. And if you're already a backer, go and take a look at those cool new things. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. And thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a Hunter's Appendix. Yes, and this week we are talking about your responses to um, Bergenworth, the Hunter's Workshop, and also uh, the Hypogean Jail, or Gallo. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Danielle uh, had to take off because we record for a very long time, but we, we would encourage you to follow her on Twitter and uh, idlethumbs.net, and also to read her writing at uh, polygon.com. Yeah, she's great. So yeah, we have a lot of responses, so I'm going to go ahead and get us started here. Uh, Graham says via Facebook, Nerd Alert, I always thought the Red Hot Shovels were a cool weapon for the enemies at Hemwick Charnel Lane, uh, but I didn't know that they had any further meaning. However, I was listening to a podcast today about folklore, and in Ireland and Wales, there's mythology about changelings, half-humans that trolls and fairies supposedly use to replace the children they stole. Once the changeling is identified, you're supposed to punish it by holding a Red Hot Shovel held over a fire. Pretty brutal. I like how this starts to show the weapons were probably used to torture the humans you see strung up around the village, who were probably changelings in a sense, or at least believed to be. Yeah, especially as they start uh, getting that Innsmouth look, or that Yarnum yeah. look. Yeah, start turning into beast. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, 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 had no, I, I had no idea about that, but that is a super deep mythology cut, so thank you, Graham. That's super cool. Yeah, man, we, we used to be really fucked up towards kids. Oh, like when you said we, for some reason, the way you made it sound like something we used to do in the show. <laughs> like, like you're apologizing I, I for like the way that we... I think we've grown since January of 2013. Yeah, or, or, or 1913, when we used to have children, like, go down to the pod mines and, like, literally assemble the tape by hand with their tiny deaf fingers. <laughs> yep. Just reach, reaching into the ever-whirring pod mills. Yeah, and into the lore mine. And just pull, hopefully they don't lose a finger. <laughs> um let's see here chris writes in via facebook saying one question though why haven't you uh mentioned the crystal lizard replacements yet they're super goofy and creepy and based on what you've gone over you should have seen at least two so far one at the beginning of old yarnum and another uh in the room before the witches uh so these are the uh the the something like wild beasts or something like that yeah that look like they're 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 still roughly lizard like but they're covered with these kind of anguished looking faces and instead of dropping minerals like it makes sense for a uh for a crystal lizard to do um they drop either blood gems or uh the uh um cold blood right yeah their uh their official name is wandering madness okay which is just great. Um, yeah, they're, they're little piles of faces. Um, I don't know why we didn't mention those. I think we just kind of took it for granted because I think we got really late into Dark Souls 2 before we talked about how crystal lizards are different. A little bit, yeah. Um, in that game as well. Yeah. Um, it's just easy to, to not think about. Oh, some of them are red. Like, they're just uh, they're just pinatas, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we just think of them as part of the item, 
you know, item pool in the game, I guess. But yeah, they are really weird and 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 unique and disgusting looking. I'm not sure like the if game. they if they have any significance aside from mechanical significance, right? Which obviously that's important. These are mechanically oriented games, but um like just I just kind of looked at them as oh, here is a here is a very minor eldritch thing that is going around and collecting the blood. Um yeah. and you are, you know, just kind of killing them to get whatever they've harvested. Well, and and the the lore significant. I mean, it's not like there's statues of these things in in uh, yeah. house dungeons. The the significance is the fact that there are tons of them and bigger ones inside the dream. Yep. So you can presume that they come from there, mm-hmm. one way or another. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but it is an omission. So I, I appreciate Chris pointing it out because it just didn't occur to us. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So moving on to responses of the area, Kenneth says via Facebook, I feel like Bergenworth uh, let me down on my first playthrough. During the entire lead-up, I expected some large campus-like region that would take up a large portion of the second act. But instead, we got a small, uh, smallish, three-story observatory with very little interaction or questions to be answered. Ultimately, by the second or third playthrough, I decided I liked the subtleness of the area and the lore attached to how dangerous the Eldritch Truth can really be. Yeah. It is like two rooms. Two rooms in a view. Yeah. I, that never bothered me in this, though. Yeah. Because I, I came right off, you know, you come right out of the Forbidden Forest, <laughs> which is just a, like a never-ending nightmare, and I was pretty into like a small indoor area. Yeah. Also, some of the indoor areas in these games kind of put credibility. Mm-hmm. Like, this seemed like, if not a college, you know, is going to have tons of students, it does seem like an old-timey, yeah. you know, like the invisible college yeah, kind of thing. And it's also one of those things where that, that lore-rich detail is more expensive than big, wide forests full of nothing yes you know yeah and so i'd rather them have kept this small and compact and a concession toward pacing rather than tried to pad it out yeah like when we start talking we're gonna start talking about the nightmare frontier at some point relatively soon mm-hmm. and that is just a huge area with nothing much in it yeah. other than a couple of encounters like there's not set piece stuff and and i talked about it on the show but like the, I, that uh the clutter really makes this area feel bigger and fuller than it really is yeah so Alexander writes in via Facebook saying, I see it exactly like Kenneth does. Kenneth Kenneth from immediately before. (laughs) Bergenworth really was teased in the game, uh, and it let us all down a bit. Don't get me wrong. It's still an area with great architecture and interesting foes, contributing to its heavy importance to the lore. Still, I wish they would have designed the Forbidden Woods a little bit smaller to give us more Bergenworth. The atmosphere was just great there, though. Yeah. Yep. Nothing, nothing really to add. I just I, I don't necessarily take it the same way, but I think that we both agree the Forbidden Woods are a little bit too big. Yep. Um, yeah. Derek says, Alexander and Kenneth, I don't agree. <laughs> um, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. He, it's, he it's, like, it's like the it. Syphil and Ollie breakfast cereal skits. Yeah. <laughs> just keep, keep Fuck you, bacon. <laughs> no, he does not reference that. Okay. Uh, Derek instead says, I wish I had something to say about a lore-rich area that doesn't overstay its welcome. Upon diving into the lake, which I hoped was a reference to Dark Souls 2's opening, that's interesting, uh, you see Rom, who is far from the lovable Star Trek Ferengi. <laughs> uh, seeing, real quick, Cole, yep. in that Star Trek murder mystery dinner I keep talking about, yeah. the bad guy's name was Dr. Rom Yulin, <laughs> and he turned out to be a Rom Yulin spy. <laughs> so, Did an uncle design this? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Dr. Rom Yulin. <laughs> Um, seeing Dr. Rom Yulin and noticing that he was passive or it was passive was confusing. There aren't peaceful bosses that you have to kill in Dark Souls, but this isn't Dark Souls. So I attacked. I expected the fight to get harder after killing the spiderlings, but not as impossible as it became. The spiderlings were easy to take down at first, and I'm glad the devs made the run from the bonfire lamp 
to the arena so close and easy, but it just ended with the blood echoes lying around on the arena to be grabbed, mostly unmolested. It seemed pointless. After Rom, the magic mortar after Rom the magic mortar tank decides <laughs> to fire at you, that first volley was death without serious arcane resistance. Fire paper, paper had to be my bread and butter. Guess who might as well have had an immunity to it? <laughs> Not that bolt paper or the tonitrus solved my problems. This fight pushed me to grind my dick off in Chalice Dungeons. <laughs> Power Sander. <laughs> Wonderful turn of phrase, Derek. This fight pushed me to grind my dick off in Chalice Dungeons. Uh, Rom also pushed me to, to a guide where I found out I hadn't touched four secret areas that I nearly reached before finishing Rom. The camera angle made learning to dodge magic mortar from above a joke. I never would have guessed to spam left or right alternating roles in a soul game. Uh, the rest of the game and boss fights were a breeze after this. <laughs> grinding your dick. Yeah. I to Are you just imagining sparks flying? <laughs> well, I just, I like how it begins with a sentence that like you'd hear in real life, but if you don't know about Bloodborne, like I gr- grind my dick off in a chalice dungeon. Like if you don't know what those things mean. It sounds, it's just very evocative. Um, yeah. It sounds like Derek also had a hard time with him. Uh, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the Derek camp. Mm-hmm. In this bad boy, but I understand and respect people who are not. Rom took so. me a uh, uh, more tries than a lot of the other bosses did, just not as many as the Shadows of Yarnum, and so I have less kind of bad blood <laughs> towards yeah. towards Rom than I do uh, towards what immediately came before it. Like this felt oddly like a breather to me. Amelia was really hard for me too. Yeah. Like to be fair, mm-hmm. the um, have you fought Rom in the Chalice Dungeon yet? No, I have not. It's harder. <laughs> the, the arena makes it makes it much more difficult at least as far as i'm concerned did, did, did they pull a so, blood star beast or is it just more enclosed it's more enclosed there are pillars yeah oh. it's like but it's much smaller so like mm-hmm. the spiders that he first summons if you don't kill them and you just send rom away mm-hmm. those, those spiders are always going to be a factor mm. so like by the end you're dealing with a small enough area that all three clutches are oh, significant man. so yeah, that sucks. I'm not looking forward to this episode, Gary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's going to suck so bad. <laughs> get get a see if you can get a, a buddy. Yeah, get, get, like, just get just get, get get Allison to like just just hop in. Yeah. Yeah, see if you can get somebody to just help you with them cuz like that's that's what made, <sighs> that you know, Lugery helping me is what made the Chalice Dungeons at least more fun and and quicker. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So Luke writes in via the contact forum saying Bergenworth stands as, as a direct contrast to the area that comes before it. Out of the sparse, stretching woods, slight with lore and scattered with skill checks, you come to the impossibly dense college building that blows the unsuspecting brain faster than Philosophy 101. If the woods are RE4, then this is RE1. A creepy manor full of locked doors and conveniently shiny occult secrets that doubles and triples back upon itself, an unassuming labyrinth. Even before the post-ROM revelation, which I still don't quite comprehend, this area is full of moments that bring to mind new knowledge, new questions, and new eyes with which to see the world. It's a shame that it's all over too soon, uh, that the knowledge gained compresses the space to a 90-second run-through. The Bergenworth Brundleflies, which I assume were the hockey team when the lake froze over, <laughs> um, are little more <laughs> than their first frenzying leap. The laser center centipede is... who knows? And Rom is really only interesting in retrospect. The fight with him is hard, but only because his lackeys are imbued with patchwork godheads of their own, and Patch has capitalized 
there. Um, uh, the fight is more of an issue of man- maneuverability than anything else, a less arbitrary dragon god. If expectations are true and, tr- and the trapdoor opens with the DLC, I will be very happy. But as is the brevity, but as is rather the brevity of Bergenworth University holds it back. Uh, we're only there. Uh, in the summer semester, taking a sped up unit and it leaves uh, a little to be desired, despite the high quality of the content on display. Very well put, Luke. That is well put. The, yeah. uh, the other um, big theory about that trapdoor, if it doesn't go to DLC, mm-hmm. is that it goes to the lecture hall. Oh, wow. Um, but there's no I mean, there's no evidence for that. Like you can't clip through it or anything. The lecture hall is so big, though. That's the thing. I don't necessarily buy it. It's just the other theory. Yeah. Um, it's also like. I connect the lecture hall to to different kind of operators, yeah, and the like, and and it's so big. And like, imagine going to school where like you have to go in the first floor and then like go down a hatch <laughs> to get to class. Like that's really weird. You've never um, been to the University of Cincinnati's campus. Uh, something party, yeah, yeah. Some, some kind of party, party <laughs> if, you. if you remember the hatch, you never went through it. <laughs> that's dark. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, Dan says via contact. So I wiped out the Shadows of Yarnum first try by spamming poison knives and being lucky. I turn the corner and get mounted by a Brundlefuck. <laughs> good sentences in these. Um, and suddenly I feel like I'm in a different game. I wrap my way around the building and find what I can only describe as a fire-breathing feather duster scorpion with a vagina face. Uh, the 180-degree uh, turn this game pulls on you at Bergenworth is brilliant. Instead of the organic, sprawling landscapes filled with at least tangible monsters, you have a condensed arena filled with the disgusting Lovecraftian atrocities. Even the color palette is such a harsh contrast to the rest of the game so far, making you feel lost and scared in a most wonderful way. I don't have much to say about Rom. She was my Waterloo. Fuck Rom forever. <laughs> and probably Waterloo in the uh, or Waterloo in the Napoleon sense, <laughs> and not the Abba sense. <laughs> so. And not the you fight her on a big field of water sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Death notes. Uh, Death note writes in via contact saying regarding the hypogean jail. All I can say is that this can be very tough considering that you can get there at a very early stage of the game. If you come here, then you can let yourself into some very lore, very early lore aspects. So kind of jumping ahead in the text as it were. Um, it is a great all-around area, and I feel that the atmosphere of this place sums up the dark nature of Bloodborne. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wish that there was, like, the the hidden jail and the hidden Yargle that you can, Yargle mm-hmm. that you can uh, explore feels really significant. Like, the fact that a lot of people are just going to miss that. Yeah. Because it's really cool to go back there and see the contrast. Yeah. Like, uh, the it's really pretty significant the way the enemies change. You don't think that with how tough those enemies are that you're kind of like guaranteed to at least dip your toe in? With how tough those enemies are? The uh, the kidnappers when you oh. fo- when you find them and the fact that they're kind of mostly placed at these bottlenecks that you're almost sure to uh, to come across. No, I mean because they're kind of I didn't, they're kind of not like the they're by optional areas. There's one that's outside the cathedral ward that won't aggro unless you get close to him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that's down at the bottom of the the tube that takes you to the abandoned hunters workshop, and that's an optional area. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there are very many of them on the critical path. Hmm. Um, I think there mostly are on the outskirts. So like I guess be... the, I guess the one in the Forbidden Woods is actually by the by the path to uh, to Yosefka's clinic. Yeah. Like they're not, you don't have to, you don't have to run into them. Hmm. So like, 
it seems like it's kind of, I mean, I, and I kind of like that. Now I think about it, this idea of like you exploring um, optional areas opens up the biggest optional area or one of the, you know, options opens up a huge optional area. Yeah. Well, they only spawn if you do, uh, if you beat the, uh, the Bloodstar Beast, right? Or do they pop yeah. in if you're, if you uh, like anytime in the evening? I, I bet you it's evening. Yeah. I, I bet you they, I, I would be really surprised if they never spawn, if you never defeat the Bloodstar Beast. That'd be really surprising. Um, but yeah, maybe it'd be good, good thing to, to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven says via contact. There's so much to say about these areas, but I'll try to keep it brief. Bergamorth is home to some awesome looking enemies and my favorite hunter fight in the mansion. The dive into the lake is so badass. Rom, though, really awesome as aesthetic and concept is, is, in my opinion, the worst boss fight across this game and the Souls games. Um, I don't like how it's more about an HP drain race than a tactical experience of learning your enemy. Perhaps I'm just dumb and not able to find a strategy, but I always find myself tanking through most of the fight. As for the Hunter's Workshop, that was such a great moment when I made this seemingly impossible drop slash jump to a door concealed in darkness and found myself in a place so familiar, yet somehow more sad than the Hunter's Dream. The fact that the doll sits lifeless here is mind-boggling. I wonder if her, if her consciousness existed even while she was inanimate in the waking world and manifest her inherent love for the hunter in the hub. And it's discussed for what German suggests he, and possibly other hunters, used her for in the nightmare as the Winter Lanterns. Yeah. So yeah. the the doll is pretty complicated, and we didn't really talk about the fact that she is lifeless in the quote-unquote real world. Yeah. Um, and animated once you get insight in the dream or what possibly is animating her. But I like this kind of ascription of kind of agency to her because I don't mm-hmm. like her just being this force that serves the will of the hunter as yeah. much, you know, or at the very least she's, she's somewhere in between yeah. there, you know, and you, you bring up the, um, the winter lanterns. We'll talk about that when we talk about that enemy, but there's a specific enemy that wears the clothing set. And I don't know why, <laughs> like I haven't figured out that lower connection. Yeah. So I never wanted to ascribe anything to chance in any right. of these games, but part of me thinks it just looked cool yeah. as a clothing set that you had to put a clothing set on the enemy mm-hmm. and it looked the best because I can't figure out the lore stuff. So if people yeah. have theories, like I'd be interested to hear them, Yeah. but I don't know why that monster wears doll's clothing. Yeah. Like saying a dream did it feels like a scoundrel's retreat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. So Alexander writes in saying that he had uh, um, listened to uh, some of our previous episodes, but is now just coming to Bloodborne and is able to comment, uh, uh, having just played this. Um, after finally defeating the Shadows of Yarnum, of course, they had to spit fire, uh, sp- or spit fire rather. Um, it's not enough that there are three of them. I was literally shaking with adrenaline. I proceeded, feeling invincible and content with my skills as a soul veteran, turning the corner to face every enemy foolish enough to attack the boss the boss slayer um the magnificent the magnificent destroyer of demo and there's a giant fly like spawn of the devil sitting on my head feasting on my flesh thanks for that from i survived it only to be robbed of three effing insight because of the slurper lurker uh, under the tree so many awesome sentences yeah, this, is, this is real good, good slurper lurker man fair enough i thought to myself this was your fault my fault you'll you'll be more careful uh from now on so i slowly crept forward into the house admiring the beautiful and timeless architecture and the depressing atmosphere while enjoying the thought that i am the first one seeing this mysterious academy in a long time by further observation of the room 
I saw a chest, and without checking twice, I rushed to it. Because why would there be a trap? I mean, it's not like Bloodborne is a game that encourages analyzing the situation and proceeding with caution. As I then inspected my precious loot, thinking the universe and me alone are, are alone, rather, in this cozy place, I got slaughtered by the hostile choir hunter. It was a nice reminder to always be aware of your surroundings and a nice start for the smallest but most interesting area of the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well. Well said. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he uh, also Alexander mentioned um, in that early bit that he's from uh, Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, I it still tickles me when we have international <laughs> fans. I know, right? So yeah, wonderful. Like even if we don't directly read it in the response, let us know because I don't know. I like I like thinking that we are all part of this one big community. Yeah, all over the world, <laughs> um, and then and then also I I agree with you and some or not sympathize. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you on that idea of this kind of this academy. I mean, we're we're gonna do and this is, I mean, it doesn't really matter. That's spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, at some point we're gonna do a Lovecraft episode. Yeah, um, for Bloodborne and that uh, academy, you know, I mentioned the main episode, but that like place of learning as place of horror is so <laughs> cool to me, um, and this just scratched that itch for me as well. Yep. Um, Dalton says via contact, atmospherically brilliant. Bergenworth is terrifying, and I love it. It seems a lot of people criticize this area for its brevity, but bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. <laughs> it would have been cool to walk the corridors of a much bigger campus, but I think it's effective in the narrative by showing how all this evil and horror spawned from the small, overzealous schoolhouse. The ROM reveal is great and runs against the Ivory King for best boss entrance, although probably one of my least favorite bosses in the game doing to be, uh, due to being one of the uh, fortunately few swarm fights in Bloodborne. Yeah. Again, that aesthetic and mechanic divide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's near impossible to summon for this fight as well. Oh, I'm I've sure. never successfully done it just because I think the demand is just too high. I've never tried it. Yeah, I've huh. I've tried it, and you you technically can huh. if if you look it up. But I think that there's just a lot of people looking for help because it's a really hard mandatory fight. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can never really summon for the uh, for the Shadow of Yarnum fight either, and that's one that I would really want to have help for more. Yeah, because it's multiple. Yeah. Multiple guys, yeah. Um, Andy writes in via the contact forum saying, I liked Bergenworth a lot as an area. For me, the Forbidden Woods felt like a, uh, felt like the most bloated and tedious area in a Souls game yet. So coming some uh, coming to somewhere so compact and lore-rich was just the tonic. Uh, the increasingly weird enemies had me questioning what was going on, and the fight with the hunter was difficult without being frustrating. The encounter with Master William was weird, too as he silently beckoned you to head towards the lake. For this boss, I was summoned a bunch of times, and I noticed uh, that almost everyone had killed Willem. Apparently, you get a decent rune for doing this? Seems a bit rough, though. The guy is just chilling on his balcony, (laughs) checking out the view with his head full of eyeballs, but whatever. Then we get to Rom. The fight was so unbelievably aggravating that I nearly put down the game never to return. First, it was the little spiders, then the blue missile attack, and then the little spiders again. After 30 attempts, I started to despair and went to YouTube. I saw people with the Tonitrus, a weapon that I didn't have the stats for. Seriously, dex builds have so little to work with. Strolling up to Rom, whacking away unmolested by the small spiders. Uh, Why were they so aggressive in my game? They were everywhere and uh, could one. uh, They were they were everywhere and could one shot me and did frequently. The blue bolts from the sky seemed unavoidable, despite assurances from others online uh, that they were. And I should just get good. This guy is easy. End quote. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I tried summoning over and over again, rarely getting any bites, but wasting insight each time. Eventually, I managed to get someone in and scraped past the boss to my enormous relief. I'm much cooler on Bloodborne than most you would see. The environmental clutter and the desaturation of color mentioned in the last episode really got to me. I found it really hard to fight uh, when constantly tripping over junk or gravestones and found the game really hard to look at for long periods of times uh, due to everything being so washed out. When I first arrived at Rom's Boss Arena, it was something of a soothing balm for my eyes. Uh, though one of the most beautiful areas in a Souls game. It's such a shame that it was hiding uh, what was, for me, one of the cheapest and most annoying bosses. Yeah. Yep. All thing, things I agree with. Like, I mean, I do I do love Bloodborne, but I agree with those criticisms mm-hmm. of it. Yep. Um, I, I don't truck with people who tell me to get good, and this is easy. No. <laughs> like, it's... I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but I think that's shitty. And people shouldn't do that. I mean, just it, it, it is it is a false notion that this is easy means everything is going to be easy uniformly for everybody else. And again, I don't mean to like take us into a nosedive into the slurry of subjectivity, but like it's so so diminishing to just ignore the idea that people would have trouble with something that you didn't have trouble with. It's also, and you know, this is all good fodder for when we do that talk. <laughs> um, but it also overplays the idea of difficulty as the primary thing by which these games should be judged by mm-hmm. like that's the fulcrum that this is bent upon mm-hmm. um is difficulty and that's not the most important or coolest thing about these games mm-hmm. um you know so like people who are just kind of like get good you just get through it like i i respect like the you know people who go for the challenge like i have you know yeah. ridiculous <laughs> amounts of respect for like lobos yeah i mean Lo- you know, lobos who, is the patron saint of patience yeah i have ridiculous respect for for just going in for the challenge but that's not all he likes about the games mm-hmm. and he would never like do that like he would yeah. never people you know who ask him like how he gets through things he's just like well lots of practice and dying tons of times and it's all yeah. up there like yeah. there's no there's no pride like there's no self-aggrandizement in it no and that's something that i i have a easier time respecting than people who just you know throw out the old memes <laughs> uh, just dismissive i don't know yeah that's that's the thing is it is dismissive so don't don't be dismissive um <laughs> you're just in general uh sean says via contact Love all the areas you guys are discussing on the show, and I hope Old Hunter's Workshop includes the abandoned workshop. Um, that's actually what you mm-hmm. meant, I think. Yep. Um, I loved entering it after a long time uh, trying to find it. I'd seen it on a map but couldn't figure out how to get there. And realizing that it was a failed version of the Hunter's Dream. Hmm. I wish the rewards for finding it were a little bit more satisfying, but I'll take that third umbilical cord if it means seeing the real ending. As for Bergamorth, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Being one of the major players in the plot, I expected to find a little bit uh, more there in the way of followers. My favorite moment was the first time finding Willem outside. I had two cooperators with me, uh, both of whom got stuck at the door. Both of them kept frantically gesturing towards the moon. (laughs) I must have spent five minutes running around that platform before noticing the ripples in the water. (laughs) The boss battle was a great reward for figuring that out, and the messages afterwards to seek the nightmare newborn was so intriguing that it pulled me forward. (laughs) And we didn't mention that, but if you... um, cooperators cannot actually come through the door to help you until you go down to the lake oh so they have to mimic they have to mimic uh willem they have to mimic willem yeah they have to point too. <laughs> like no oh, go yeah, there yeah, they, <laughs> jump yeah, they, i think i think maybe the idea is so they can't kill willem for you oh yeah um that, i mean i don't know if that's the case but that could be it like hmm. you don't want you don't need people up there with your willem um but yeah so you have to actually go down to the lake before people can join you yeah in the fight hmm Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it as the opposite version. I never saw the 
uh, Abandoned Hunter's Workshop as a fake version of the dream. Mm-hmm. I saw the dream as a fake version of the Abandoned yeah. Workshop. Again, just like the the, the, the the physical location that it's 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 the locus of the dream, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the dream um, version is it's like the Hunter's <laughs> Workshop, but it wasn't really. So j- just like we found, or j- just like I found uh, some similarity between Raiding Blood and Bloodborne, how about Come Sail Away? Oh, sure. <laughs> just uh talking talking about jumping into the lake and everything like that yeah yeah so just uh there's a little bit of truth in all these songs huh yeah 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 a little bit of cosmic truth rather mm-hmm. <laughs> we jumped aboard their starship indeed mm. yes, in- yes indeed <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> um and so we have a just fun and this is actually a continuation uh of of one of luke's responses from before uh saying you mentioned in the last episode that boars aren't bloodborne's channelers counterpoint what if they are i'm not proposing that the boars <laughs> are the end of the response <laughs> <laughs> your move yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's continue this over the course of months <laughs> like, <laughs> Luke actually offers a very well reasoned, a very well reasoned uh, defense of that hypothetical. I'm not proposing that the boars are are Seath's eyes on the outside, um, <laughs> just that there might be something to their placement that they may not be entirely bereft of lore. A note found in Bergenworth University reads: When the red moon hangs low, the line between man and beast is blurred, and we see the effects of this everywhere in the game. The physical villagers become werewolves. The scholars turn into flies. Animals have an important metaphorical place in this world, and so I have to assume these big guys do too now you can argue that there are dogs in the game that are anything but dogs give or take a crow hybrid the um, the difference is that they are to normal scale and have a narrative place in the mythology of the hunt these boars that we see though are different they're ridiculously big and don't fit in the universe at all this made me wonder what if there's uh, what if that's uh, because they're actually not in it the boars appear in very strange places ignoring the initial novelty boar they spawn regularly in two locations by the shadows um, and once in the original hippogian jail uh what first caught my attention about the jail pigs is that they disappear once rob's illusion is lifted and in their place are these horrific masses of men it makes a certain kind of sense to me uh, that what happens here is not a replacement, but a revelation. The masses of men were there the whole time. Your mind just couldn't comprehend the imagery that replaced them with pigs. Hmm? A little bit of amnesia there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, <laughs> if this is the case, Luke continues, uh, then all... <laughs> then are all the hybrids actually figments of the player's imagination are the flies just a way of coping with seeing men covered with thousands of eyes are the werewolves our way of computing the facts that these villagers are acting like beasts these fatties perhaps smoes of this world are turned into pigmen more than any others suggested to me um, an unreliable narrator in the game's camera. We see boars, but they, uh, uh, but maybe the reality is something else. Maybe Bloodborne is less a dream uh, and more of a shallow howl situation, wherein the hunters and the citizen, um, sorry, uh, where, wherein the hunters see in the citizens their inner beast. See beast rar. Uh, referencing the item description probably not but i can't quite just accept that there are giant pigs for no reason that's a cool that's a super cool idea that's a lot um, of gymnastics i like yeah. gymnastics that arrive at a very um delicate and intricate um kind of mechanic for <laughs> let's say ontology yeah 
It's just, it's just there, there are pigs after Rom, though. Yep. Like, that's the thing. Like, why don't those pigs get tra- transformed? Like, I think that there's already a slightly less cool version of what you're talking about mm-hmm. in that the pigs maybe have all those eyes like they do later. Yep. But we're not seeing the eyes. We're just seeing them as yeah. normal pigs. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're, they're stacks of corpses, like, pulling themselves along on mine carts. <laughs> it's that they're, you know, eye- eyeball pigs, and yep. we see them as regular pigs. Yeah. Maybe in in case it's actually a physical change. But mm-hmm. since, you know, it, it suggests that it's, you know, tied into insight. Yeah. Like you could argue that. But like there's already like a less cool version of it or a yeah. less uh, drastic version of that built into the game. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, right? But like we love an uh, uh, unreliable narrative uh, or yeah. nar- n- narrator conceit. And the, when one is built directly into the text by both insight and also kind of the revelations about the way that this world we're in works, all of a sudden we see a bunch of these around it. And it is super fun to play games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't necessarily buy it, but I like yeah. you getting there. Like I'll watch somebody, yeah. you know, push, you know, I'll, I like reading that kind of stuff. I like following the path. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Um, yeah. So I think that's about it. Just about. Yeah. So this has been a, a wonderful couple of episodes of, I can say so myself, great fun for, 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 for an awesome area. Uh, we loved having Dan, uh, Danielle on, um, mm-hmm. uh, check the notes for, uh, ways that you can follow her and her work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we don't have deleted scenes. Nope. I remember we don't. <laughs> so usually we do, but um, when we have guests, especially, um, you know, we try to value their time. Yep. Um, so we will usually not fart around quite as much. Yep. Um, so this is the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't go through the entire admin spiel we went to in the last episode. We made a nope. bunch of announcements in the last episode that you guys have probably heard. Yeah. Um, the uh, kind of takeaway is that our Patreon is changing. Um, you should support it because you get better and cooler stuff mm-hmm. at uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeed TV. And a live appearance somewhere, you know, we're not going to mention every episode between now and November, <laughs> but uh, while it's still fresh, yeah. um, keep watching our social media stuff to get more details on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it comes around and uh, try to get up in Columbus in the <laughs> second weekend, uh, like November 6th through the 8th or what have you. Yeah. Um, to, uh, to come see us do a panel. Yep. Our social media presence is facebook.com slash bonfireside chat or individually our Twitters. Mine is at Cole Ross, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. Gary. Yep, I'm uh, Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to hearing what you think about either Scholar of the First Sin or uh, Kanehurst. Yep. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, what should they do, Cole? Um, they should banish this dreadful dream. Indeed. Or cleanse us from this dreadful dream. There we go. Seek, okay. seek the nightmare of newborn. <laughs> And we all pray that we will have far more soon.